listening to Coast to Coast Latino. Good Friday morning to you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us at Coast to Coast Latino podcast. So this is our uh, third podcast coming to you. We have some incredible data that just showed up. Uh, the U.S. Hispanic population has surpassed 16 million people, according to the U.S. Census Bureau report that came out. Uh, so guess what? That means we're about 18% of the total population in the United States. We are the fastest growing population group in the United States. But here's perhaps one of the most important and intriguing component of all this data sitting in front of me is that we are essentially saving the United States. You see, the total population of the United States has been going down. But because we keep multiplying, the actual number has gone up. In fact, Latinos accounted for half of the U.S. population growth in the last 10 years. Half, okay? Uh, that's very significant. Very, very significant. Here's another interesting uh, tidbit for uh, those of you data collectors. Uh, we were at 4.8% growth between 1995 and the year 2000. Since then, our growth has been slowing down. Between 2015 and 2019, we slowed down to 1.9% growth. And uh, only the Asian Americans have a faster population growth than us. They're at 2.4%. Uh, um, but still, we are a much larger component of the United States of America. And that's pretty exciting. And let me tell you why. For those of us who uh, are interested in making change, a uh, combination of social, economic, and political change, uh, we look at data and say, this is an opportunity for us to take charge, to, to take command, and to make change for the better of, of our community. But the only way for us to do that is, in fact, to go in there and change things. So we have to get our people elected. We have to get uh, more uh, more of our businesses uh, up and running. We got to really push entrepreneurship. Okay, a lot of our communities have been relying on two things: public support and uh, nonprofit. And neither one of them actually generates real revenue that makes a difference. And so in order for us to make a big difference, we need to push entrepreneurship. We need to get our people to become business owners. And yes, I know there's a big uh, uh, major boycott of Goya uh, Foods, but understand that Goya Foods is also a huge corporation. And yes, it's Latino owned. And they tell everybody how excited they are to be Latino owned. And I know that in the Southwest and in the West Coast especially, there's been this big push for a boycott. Well, there's a counter push by Latinos living in New Jersey, which is where this corporation is located at. And 
those folks are saying, no, Goya is actually a very good company. They hire a lot of us. And the other thing that they do is they provide a lot of support for our nonprofits. And they also give a lot of food for those in need. And so it's been an interesting dynamic. And I'm sure many of you saw the pictures posted primarily in social media of uh, Ivana uh, Trump, Ivanka Trump, uh, going out there and pushing the Goya product, the Goya food. Uh, actually, it was a can of beans. And does she really eat beans? I doubt it. She's too skinny. I'm sorry, but, you know, she doesn't look like she eats beans. However, it's created an interesting push on behalf of the Republican Party, or at least the Trump part of the Republican Party, to go out and purchase Goya Foods, and if they can't use it, to go out and donate it. So on the upside... Uh, a lot of the nonprofits, especially those that are feeding uh, the, the needy, are receiving a lot of food from Goya and all these, these counter-protesters. Uh, on the other hand, we are bro protesting and, and boycotting a Latino business. And let's ask, ask ourselves, why did, why, did, um, why did we decide to boycott it? Well, believe it or not... It's because the uh, the owner of Goya Foods complimented President Trump, okay? And he said, I support President Trump. Well, the thing is, he did the same thing with, with uh, Barack Obama. Uh, and so it's like, you know, he he's a businessman. And he looks at politics and he says... How can I get the most out of this? And so when he's invited to the White House, he's going to say whatever he needs to make sure that he continues to get the, the support. And I know many of you are going to disagree with me, and that's fine. That's the beauty of and the, and the wondrous opportunity that this country offers is the ability for us to disagree. And that's quite all right. But here's the thing, folks. We don't have a national agenda and so it appears like every time we get politically involved that we're throwing a bunch of mud onto the wall and hoping that some of it is going to stick. That's not the way we need to act, especially now that there are 61, almost 61 million of us in this country. Instead, what we ought to do is we ought to start coming together and talking about how do we make sure that our kids get educated? How do we make sure that there is economic growth in our community? And thirdly, how do we get more of our people elected so we can really experience power the way we should here in the United States of America? The education of our kids is very critical for the viability of not only the United States of America, but for those states that it is experiencing the largest growth of Latinos. For example, California. In California, we make up 40% of the population. Uh, but our education levels clearly demonstrate that we're getting further and further behind in being able to have the economic ability to continue the, uh, the status level 
of California as a nation state, as the governor likes to call it. Um, and the reason he calls it that, by the way, is because California is the fifth largest world economy. Uh, Texas is going to very soon be predominantly Latino as well. Uh, their education system is failing Latinos there. And so when we look at every single public school system that is providing education for Latinos, it's very evident that they're not meeting the needs uh, or, for that matter, the cultural awareness to be able to provide the needs for us to, for our kids to be able to learn in uh, a typical classroom setting. And perhaps one of the most frustrating things about all of this is we've added on this pandemic. And the pandemic has now put kids outside the classroom and uh, now they're being taught online. Well, we have a new problem with all of that. Uh, you see, not everybody has uh, internet access. Not everybody has computers. For almost a decade now, all the surveys have clearly shown that Latinos' first experience online is through their telephones. Their telephones. Not a computer, not a laptop. Their telephones. Okay? To teach a class online, you need to have either a laptop or a computer. Well, when you have a phone, those teachings don't work very well. Um, and then, to add uh, uh, salt to an open wound, here's the problem. Only 57% of Latino families have a laptop or computer at home. That means there's this big old chunk of kids who don't have access to computers, to laptops, and in rural areas throughout the United States where many Latino families live, especially farm worker families, they don't have access to the internet at all. So what they've been doing is even though the schools are providing laptops, those families still have to go out, drive to a parking lot somewhere so they can have access to the internet. So the kids are learning in parking lots. They're le learning outside of the home. And that's not very healthy for our community. In fact, that's not healthy at all for trying to teach our kids. And it's essential for us to point this out, especially to the telecom companies, Comcast, uh, any other uh, 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 company that is offering internet service. We need to let them know, look, folks, here's the problem. We've gone through a paradigm shift. Where are you in addressing this paradigm shift for our community? In a Los Angeles Times article this week, uh, it states that 50,000, 50,000 black and Latino 
middle and high school students in Los Angeles did not regularly participate in the school system's uh, online education program. That tells us, again, that in the city with the largest population of Latinos, second to Mexico City, um, is having a problem trying to teach Latino kids. And let me tell you, the, the, the bottom line is without a good education, you can't get a good job. And without a good job, you can't make any money. And as we become uh, a larger component of the United States of America, we will be inheriting all the tax problems, all the world problems, and we need to be prepared. But without a good education, we won't be prepared. So let that settle in for a little bit. On the upside of everything, also this week, the LA Times reported that for the first time, there were more Latinos being accepted into the University of California system than Asians. And that is very significant because now we're talking also about higher education, which means not only even better jobs, but getting into, into fields that are essential for our community. The ratio of Latino physicians to the Latino population almost doesn't exist. As a result, we rely a lot on interpreters to provide families uh, uh, information that, that is being shared from their physician. And as they say, sometimes things get lost in translation. Uh, and all we need to do is look at the pandemic itself, okay? There are many efforts being made to let the Latino population know about COVID-19 and, and taking basic steps to protect themselves. Is it working? No, it's not. It's not working. If you look at uh, uh, Houston, Texas, for example, uh, there is a huge population now of COVID-19 and they're predominantly Latino. Uh, uh, some of the data that, that's coming out now, because finally we're getting uh, uh, some really good uh, surveys being conducted. Uh, and some of the surveys are telling us Latinos make up up to 60% of uh, the death rates. And these death rates are not in uh, any kind of a home where COVID-19 has been ravaging, uh, especially the elderly and those that need major medical attention. And as the pandemic continues to rise, the impacts on our Latino economy is also being majorly impacted. Uh, in California, uh, Governor Newsom has shut down again hair salons and nail salons. Well, many of these 
are owned and operated by Latinos. Um, it is, uh, you know, it it's difficult for for um, for some of these folks to be able to create enough revenue to be able to pay not only the, their lease, but to put food on their own plates. And when you don't have any form of revenue, and the federal government, which has promised more than once to provide some kind of relief, uh, uh, because they don't experience it, they don't see it firsthand, they're taking their sweet time about trying to provide any kind of relief. And now we have uh, some legislators that are stepping up to Governor Newsom and telling him, hey, you know what? This isn't uh, this isn't right. You've given restaurants an opportunity to e exist by feeding people outside. Well, guess what? Hair salons can do their work outside. They don't have to be inside, and nor do nail salons. According to the Star Tribune out of uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, it talks about uh, Plaza Mexico. Um, Plaza Mexico is essentially a mall uh, that caters obviously to to uh, Latino uh, shoppers. And uh, they have been experiencing such a tr detrimental experience because of COVID-19 that uh, they've been they've been uh, having to shut down and uh, with a with a potential second wave of, of this pandemic uh, there's a strong possibility that they will shut down completely and that's really unfortunate considering that that whole area uh, uh, Minnesota and even the Dakotas have experienced just a major surge in the Latino population, and uh, now they're uh, they're having to uh, find difficulty to be able to be entrepreneurs as well as to be able to find a place where they can shop and get culturally relevant foods and and uh, and uh, you know just things that they can relate to. And shifting gears real quickly, Yahoo Finance is reporting that uh, Diego Luna, yes, the Mexican actor, director, and producer of uh, films and uh, television programs, will be the 2020 recipient of the prestigious award for Outstanding Achievement in the uh, Hispanic Television presented by future PLCs, broadcasting, cable, and multi-channel news magazines during the Hispanic Television Summit. How many of you were aware that there is such a thing as a Hispanic Television Summit? Well, it's news to me as well. I've never heard of it, but you know what? This is exciting. That means that we're moving finally into media, the media that that is very critical for us to be involved in, and of course that's television. So the program is scheduled to be aired online this fall, uh, and it just says September. So I I don't know when exactly in September. Uh, I do know that the summit runs from September 21st through September 24th, so somewhere in there they will be televising uh, 
something. Uh, the summit also is online, and uh, uh, it'll present a few challenges for those uh, who don't have the ability to get online and watch streaming videos, unfortunately. And finally, I'd like to end our program this week by uh, sharing some great information about the Hispanic uh, Access Foundation, uh, which is the one that encourages us to go out and experience nature, go out on hikes, go see, go see the mountains. Uh, this, uh, this week is going to be Latino Conservation Week. And it is, in fact, a nationwide initiative where the Latino community is encouraged to go out and, and focus some energies on the environment uh, and see what our, um, what, our, uh, what our nation is really all about. So, and that's our cue. I want to thank you for joining us this week. Uh, please join us each and every week on Friday morning when we come to you with Coast to Coast Latino. My name is Adrian Perez. I'd love to hear any feedback from you. You can send me feedback at latino at coasttocoastlatino.com. That's latino at coasttocoastlatino.com. Thank you very much for joining me again, and uh, we are brought to you by the Vida de Oro Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to the arts and enhancing our community. Until next time, thank you very much, take care, and be safe.